On this episode of the Redmond Report, I talk about the new Cityman and Talkman phones that leak, why I was at Redmond, and yes, I am leaving Neowin. This is the Redmond Report. Today is August 31st, 2015, and this is the Redmond Report. So, uh, last week was a big week. Uh, as I kind of alluded to and talked through, the City Man and Talkman finally showed their faces. Um, it's exactly what you would expect. They are plasticky, they have aluminum buttons, they, um, they're just, they look like every other Lumia. And I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing yet. Um, it's good because it gives off brand recognition and you look at them and you say, hey, that's a Lumia. The reason why I'm not like super pumped about them is because it's, hey, they, are, they look like every other Lumia. And depending on which side of the fence you sit on, that may not be a good thing. The reason why I say it may not be a good thing is because they're generally not selling all that well. So Microsoft is coming up with a couple cool flagships, City Man and Talkman, and I think the specs are going to do quite well, and the phone continuum is going to do quite well. I think everything about the phone is fine, but they just don't look very exciting because they looked, I don't know, they look like rehashed everything else that we've already seen. So I think a lot of people were expecting something kind of new or different or just something that didn't look like every other Lumio. And now that you guys have seen them, um, I do have a couple more pictures, but again, I still can't post them. That they show, I mean, there's really nothing too much else to see other than the colors, the black, the gray, and the white, and then there's the blue um, as well. But I don't know if the blue is coming to every model, and then I don't know if the blue is coming to every region um, for that matter. So kind of keep that in mind. Uh, but yeah, so they're out there now. And another thing that got shown off in the picture that I tweeted, and um, actually I think Mahidi sent it to me, and we were actually trying to figure out if it was real, and it wasn't until I could get it, whatever, it doesn't matter, um, is the Munchkin Continuum dongle. So I'll have more about that later this week. Um, I've got good, inf good intel on that. I'm still trying to work through all the details of it, but I should have more information about how that's going to work. I don't know a price point yet, but... Um, it should be a good little good little thing that uh, you're going to want to pick up. So there's that. City Man, Talk Man out. Hopefully we should see them in the October time frame. I'm still hearing mixed things about whether or not the press conference is going to be in September. I don't know if well, Microsoft has to figure it out really soon. But initially they were saying the Surface Pro 4 and other stuff were going to be um, different events. But now maybe they're going to be the same. But yeah, so that's that. So... Um, for those of you just kind of jumping in too, because I see the numbers jumping up, um, this will be a much shorter episode. I'll have a lot more on Friday. But um, yeah, so I was in Redmond last week. And yeah, it was a good time. I made it up there. Let's see, I was there, got in on Tuesday and left on a red eye on Friday, which is an awful experience. I, I try to avoid red eyes as much as I can. But um, yeah, so I was on a red eye home. Really good trip. Had dinner with Gabe. Uh, met with some other people. And, yeah, so the Surface Phone, I think, is a thing. Um, jumping back a few minutes, um, I, do I do think the Surface Phone is a thing. I think we will see something come out of that branding. Um, I, d I don't have a good timeline on that, but the, the things are aligning from what I'm hearing, that something is happening under Panos' team about this. But um, anyway, so I was in Redmond, um, got to chat with a whole bunch of different people, a whole bunch of different Microsofties, high-level execs, everyone from Brad Smith down to people um, like Peter, I shouldn't say down to, people like Peter Lee, who are the head of the Microsoft's research division, um, and Brad Smith, for those who don't know, is their lead general counsel. I got to go through their cybercrime, got to talk about their server stuff, got to see a bunch of cool research projects that are coming along. 
And so the point of the event, which was kind of a little interesting, was just to get bring like the enterprise focus, and they want to show off some research projects that they're working on. But one of the really good things was we got to ask some really good questions and that they couldn't always dodge. For those who have been asking about Windows Update for Business, and this has been kind of a outlier for Microsoft because at Backup Build, they were like, we've got Windows Update for Business. Windows Update for Business. It's coming. It's great. And then it just never showed up. It never showed up. And then if things got even worse than Windows Update for Business, Microsoft then says, oh, hey, we're not going to do change logs either. And so we're Windows up for business, not there. Change logs may not happen. So it's like this total regression of what was going on. And I got to tell Microsoft very clearly, along with a couple others, our minds and opinions about this sort of thing. And I think they got it. Um, they didn't commit to including change logs on everything. Um, for every user, they might be limiting that only to the enterprise SKU, which I can, which is fine because they did make the case that in some updates it just doesn't really make sense because it's there's so many changes that are checked in that if they list everything, it might confuse users more than help users for the consumer grade. Now we made the argument that in the business case that every change is a good change because for the IT admin who's lost after an update goes out they at least have somewhere to start in the change log. So they did say that they will reconsider their stance on this stuff and that um, consider that good news. So the other thing that was talked about up there, and I totally lost my train of thought, <laughs> oh yes, was Windows Update for Business. So Windows Update for Business is not in Windows 10 right now. There might be some underlying code or whatever uh, that will eventually drive it. But Windows Update for Business, not there. They finally just came out and said, yes, it's not there. It's coming. And they did commit to it coming by the end of the year. So knowing that, I would make the assumption, again, this is an assumption, that it's coming with Threshold Wave 2, which should be around the October-ish time frame. So, yeah. So Windows Update for Business, not there. It was... It was good to hear them say that, but at the same time, it's really frustrating because they did all this promotion back in the spring about how Windows 10 is enterprise ready and it's good and your admins are going to love it and you can control it. And for those who aren't familiar uh, with Windows Update for Business, one of the cool things it allows you to do is let's say you have your accountants and you need to run an update on their machines. Well, running updates on accounting machines during month and closing is not a good idea. So with Windows Update for Business, you can group those users and say, you know what, only apply the updates on, let's say, the 10th of the month. Or if you know that um, accounting closes on the 15th, then you run it on the 20th. You can, you can deploy these updates strategically so that they have the least amount of interruption for your users, which is fantastic. So... Windows Update for Business, I'm going to keep hounding this as not there because I got a lot of good questions. Rightfully so. I was, I couldn't figure it out. And I, not that it's the greatest test in the world, but if I can't figure something out, I generally know that people, other people can't figure it out as well. So that's, that's what's going on there. And Microsoft is being completely shy about it from now on. Um, they, <laughs> although they did say news was coming soon, like they, they made that and finally just like got it off their chest and then said, okay, we're, we're done. Um, one of the other cool things they did tell us, and I'll have some more information about this later this week, is that I believe it was 1.5 uh, million PCs are now running the enterprise SKU. So, and what they, this is not including insiders as well. Uh, they made that 
distinction very clear that this is 1.5 million individuals or, or machines are running. They did not specify if that's 1.5 million businesses, which I doubt, as we know many admins or whatever are going to have multiple machines for testing. Um, but they did say 1.5, and that's... For them, they said that was exceeding their expectation about the adoption rate of enterprise. Uh, looking at Windows 10, I can't imagine too many people have deployed Windows 10 in, in an enterprise, maybe in some small businesses, maybe. Even that I would be kind of hedgy about. But I interpret this to mean that there are a lot of businesses saying, okay, um, this looks like the real deal, and we are actually going to pursue this. So that was really, really cool to hear from them. And they're actually very excited about this. They're, uh, they're saying, hey, you know what? We're seeing a lot of traction among the enterprise. We're seeing a lot of interest in the Surface Hub as well. And this whole sort of Windows ecosystem, I think, is finally kind of coming together. And I think there's a lot of interest in HoloLens, too, that's sort of pushing this Windows 10 adoption because they actually cited this. They said they're seeing strong interest in HoloLens. And when these groups come to Microsoft and say, hey, what do we need for HoloLens? Of course, their response is going to be, hey, let's look at Windows 10 because that's going to be your best maneuver. And then they're also circling in things with HoloLens with the Surface Hub, too, which I never really thought about, too. But the Surface Hub is just like this massive display. And imagine this scenario that there is a field tech out on, let's, let's just use an oil rig. I, I can't think they use car manufacturing. The field tech is out on an oil rig and he has a hollow lens on. And he is not the engineer who built the oil rig, if you know what I mean. He's just a, a fix it mechanicalist, mechanic, mechanicalist? I don't know, I'm making up words. A guy who goes out and fixes broken things. So. This is what it's going to, they imagine a scenario, especially in the enterprises, that that field tech is wearing a HoloLens. And all the engineers who help build the rig, if this is some sort of emerging scenario, are sitting back in a conference room with the Surface Hub, an 84-inch. And on the Surface Hub, they can annotate on the, the schematics or whatever the individual out in the tech, tech is seeing. And they can interact through this, through this layer to allow the field tech to get the exact answer they need about how to address an issue if they don't understand the problem or it's a, a, a very technical issue. So that's the type of scenario they're initially gonna be pushing for HoloLens, which makes a lot of sense. So you've already seen the types of things where it's um, like the, the 3D artist looks to the right and you know there's the little widget or whatever end cap thing that they're making. But uh, yes, as Buckster points out, they wanted to do this on the International Space Station. And when they wanted to, I say that because the, the two HoloLens that were destined for that, that, uh, that spacecraft actually blew up um, on a SpaceX rocket. So they're still trying to get this, I believe, these up there. But that is the scenario that they genuinely see taking advantage of first, is that remote assistance, I think is for the terms, remote assistant um, scenarios is going to be a big driver for HoloLens at first and it's most definitely not the consumer application. I think we've all kind of come to the conclusion that that's not going to be a day one deployment type thing. Plus they need the developers and plus all that good stuff. And um, yeah, so there was that was going on up in Redmond. The cybercrime stuff was really cool. I need to relook at my notes but I think they said, and this is the phone scammers only, they lose over a they estimate, I should say, there's over a billion dollars lost per year to these phone scammers. Those are the people who call you up and say they're going to offer um, support. 
and then they put malware on your machine and then they take over the machines and I got to look and see how they calculated all this if that's including productivity but it's still a massive issue and they also showed off how they can track viruses spreading um, one of the other cool things they do is that if your machine gets a virus on it and it's your personal machine and think of like taking your own stuff to a network to a corporate network Microsoft will actually log your IP just your IP it's anonymized they can't tell like who you are but they will take your IP address because they know you have an infected machine and then what they want to do is track all this stuff so if you are using Azure Active Directory if you try to take your infected machine which Microsoft now knows is infected with malware and try to put it onto a corporate network using Azure Active Directory um, the admin will get a flag that says hey uh, this machine is infected with malware you probably shouldn't do that and it'll actually proactively stop the spreading of malware onto your corporate network now there's a lot of security things people kind of might freak out and whatnot um, about privacy but it is they assured everybody that the data they can't tell you who it is they can just tell you simply by an IP address which I think is a fair trade-off because if your machine is infected your, your privacy is already done. If you're, it doesn't matter. The hackers already probably have everything about you anyways. Not that that's a good justification for Microsoft knowing it, but your information has already been compromised. So they take the IP address, anonymize it, and say, hey, uh, you don't want this machine on your computer. And more so, the reason why they do this is they, they make the assumption that if you have one piece of malware already on your machine, there might be others that they don't know of. And you should and you should not allow that machine on your network it's, it's just really cut and clear and dry why this is going on and it's very very cool to see how this all works unfortunately i couldn't get too many pictures inside of there because they do have um, they were showing us stuff that were actively being investigated by police and law enforcement um one case that they did show us that was very very interesting is there was a it's actually still ongoing an issue where over in china when new PCs were coming down the line, and I believe they were Dell uh, machines. Dell was not in on this. It was just, just so happened to be Dell machines. And so what happens is, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase here, when a new machine is built, that sticker that you're familiar with goes on the bottom of the machine, and it gives you a Windows 8 uh, key. Now, that, that key should not be used unless there is a catastrophic failure of hardware, is what should happen is that there is some sort of information embedded into like the motherboard or the chips or whatever that says, okay, you know what, this is a real Windows 8 machine and when you go to activate it, it uses that onboard information, not the actual key. And what the key is for is if something happens to that onboard information, it gets wiped or whatever and it can't activate through that, then you use the key that is on the laptop, the, you know, the little sticker on the bottom. Now, think about how often you have a catastrophic failure of this type of stuff. It's not very often. So Microsoft made a, you know, they looked at all their machines and they said, okay, how often is there a catastrophic failure to when somebody has to enter that key? And so they came up to a small percentage. Let's just use 2%. I, I think it's even lower than that, but I, I, they didn't give us the actual number. And so what an employee of these assembly lines was doing in China <clears throat> was every time a machine came down the line, they were handwriting down the Windows 8 key. Every single one. They, they wrote down um, over like 350,000 of these keys, just manually by hand. And is what they were doing is this individual was then selling them to... 
I don't know, some sort of group that could then reprint the those little stickers. And then they were reselling those stickers as if they were genuine Windows 8 keys. And so they had this whole data map of how these 350,000 keys were then being activated by machines around the world. And then, you know, you can go backwards and say, okay, let's drill backwards through the process. Okay, all these consumers. And it, it reached all the way to the U.S. There were tons of them in the U.S. as well, where they were non I mean, they were genuine keys, but they were being sold by non-genuine users, and they weren't used for the right machines. And so what Microsoft, the way they figured this out was that they could see how many keys from those um, stickers were actually being activated. And the, the percentage was, I think they said 95% when they were expecting 2%. So you can imagine they said, why are we getting so many keys? And then they worked all the way backwards and found out it was um, like one or two people on the assembly line hand copying down these Windows keys and then dispersing them around the world and selling them. And, and Microsoft lost a lot of money through that because those were a lot of non-genuine sales. And there's pending legal cases in the U.S. and all around the world where these distributors knew that they were buying phony keys. So that was another thing that they can, they can, yeah, fired, exactly, as Mahidi writes in the comments. Um, yeah, fired. These people ended up in jail, and I can't imagine that Chinese jail is a very fun place to be. But, um, yeah, so that is what is going on. And so that was kind of the trip up to Redmond, and then there was just a general, just whatever, just hanging out with people. Nothing too crazy. Really, I think the biggest thing of the week was just getting through that cybercrime stuff and talking about um, I, the reason I went up there. Really wanted to ask about Windows Update for Business, which I got my answer to, which was sadly, sadly not um, what we were expecting. And so I told you that this episode would be a lot shorter, and I really just wanted to hit home on what the trip was about because people were kind of like really going crazy about why are you in Redmond. And so this brings me to a couple weeks ago week and a half ago, I talked about a big announcement, and everyone's like, Brad's getting the Surface Pro 4. No, that is not the big announcement. The big announcement actually is, is that after nine years, I am leaving Neowin, uh effective midnight tonight. Yeah. So, where am I going? And what's going on? And what's going, you know, all that good stuff. So I am leaving Nguyen. It's not on bad terms. This has actually been in the process for weeks, months. Um, it's just right opportunity, right time. I've been courted by several people over the years, and it was nothing against Nguyen. I, I really want to make this super clear that this has nothing to do with Nguyen. Um, it's just... It's just the right time, right opportunity. And I, I really encourage anybody that has, that, that wants to get into tech writing, Neowin is a fascinating place to do it because there's been several of us who have grown up or graduated from the site and moved on to bigger things. And technically, I'm actually, when you see where I'm going, which trust me, it won't take long, and it's not The Verge and it's not Windows Central, I'll tell you that because that's where everyone asked. Um, it's going to be a, it, I'm still writing about Microsoft. Let me just make that extremely clear. I'm still writing about Microsoft. I'm never giving up writing about Microsoft. I enjoy it way too much. But I'm going to be taking on a bigger role for a growing publication that's made up of a couple sites. 
And that's one of the things I've become really good at over the years is how to grow websites. Neowin has grown uh, many millions of hits per month under my leadership, and we've gotten a lot of good content. Um, and Mahidi, no, it's not Wall Street Journal. It's not a huge publication. Trust me, this is a growing entity. It's kind of got some new ownership and whatnot. And I don't want to talk about it too much because you'll find out here very soon about where it's going. But it's not, um, it's probably not where you're thinking. And trust me, it, it took me a long time to come to this this step because I really enjoy Neo and I really enjoy what I'm doing here and really enjoy having, for lack of better words, control over everything. But, um, after nine years is a long time. It's a long time to be somewhere. And when when the opportunity knocks, it's you have to take advantage. And if, if I can leave any sort of semblance of ramblings out of all of this, it's that never say no to an open door. That's that's what I've learned over many, many years. And because at when this opportunity first came, I actually was saying no. Um, I didn't it it didn't sound right, and then after getting getting a better understanding of what was going on and how things were going to play out and where it was headed, I finally, I shouldn't say finally, we came to an agreement. So never say no to an open door because I almost missed an opportunity because of my stubbornness. So that is the Redmond Report for this week. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. The Redmond Report is not going away, by the way. It, um, I will be doing it again Friday. And just things are changing. New one's going to be under new leadership now. It's time for a new individual. I think Andy's going to be the one stepping up. And, yeah, it's going to be a good time. So fear not. I will continue writing. But this will be the last Redmond Report hosted on Neowin. Um, I just pushed out my goodbye post onto the Neowins, which will be my last post. And I, I genuinely appreciate you guys. I appreciate you helping me get to where I am. I appreciate you trolling me as needed. Uh, rightfully so and i just appreciate everything guys you guys have been great so this is the redmond report for august 31st thanks for listening <laughs>